I'm going to talk to you tonight about power through prayer. You know, it's fun to listen to children pray. They have such remarkable faith. And yet sometimes, you know, when you listen to them, they not only have that childlike faith, well, they're, they're still children. And they say some pretty funny things sometimes. Here's some letters that children wrote to God. Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. Dear God, it rained for our whole vacation, and my father is mad. He said some things about you that people are not supposed to say, but I hope you'll not hurt him anyway. You're a friend, but I'm not going to tell you who I am. Dear God, please send me a pony. I never asked for anything before. You can look it up, Bruce. Dear God, if we come back to something, please don't let me be Mary Horton because I hate her, Denise. Dear God, if you give me a genie like Aladdin, I will give you anything you want except my money or my chess set, Raphael. Well, that must have been a long time ago. I don't know any kids that play chess anymore, but there's probably a few. But you know what? I think to the Lord, um, those prayers probably sound pretty close to a lot of adult prayers. See, we hear those things where they, oh, how silly, how foolish. I'm telling you, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of adult prayers that God's thinking, how silly, how foolish. But we ought to be always learning and growing in our prayer life. I don't mean that you're, you know, learning how to pray pretty. I don't mean that, you, you know, you're, you're learning how to say the big words and, you know, you're learning how to say everything just right. That's not what I mean. No, we, we ought to always be learning and growing in our prayer life that we are learning to seek God more. We are learning to go to God more often, that we're learning to pray longer. Now listen, it's not because of our long prayers that we're heard, but, but I want to tell you the church world today in America has fallen into this pattern where, you know, people even use this terminology, you know, they say, well, I'll throw up a prayer. It's not like that. We need to seek God. We need to really pray until the victory comes. You know, it's that old push principle. You pray until something happens. And we need that kind of prayer life. We need to grow into that church but every Christian, you know, they know that prayer is important. And yet it seems that so often in our generation that prayer takes a back seat to everything else. You know, we'll pray as a last resort. Has it really come to that? I remember the wonderful following of 9-11. People were praying like crazy. Everybody was at church. I mean, it was a bigger crowd than Easter Sunday. People were praying and praying and praying. I want, I just, what would it take to bring the church to its knees? Oh, some, some people think, and I don't like the way that preacher's talking. I'm just telling you, we need to hear this word tonight that prayer is how the power comes. It comes through prayer. Listen, who has the power? 
He has all the power. Jesus said it in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 13. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. He has all the power, Psalm 62, 11. God has spoken once, twice I've heard this, that power belongs to God. He has the power. And how do we get power from God? Prayer. That's how. The power comes through prayer. R.A. Torrey said, we are too busy to pray, and so we are too busy to have power. If we lack prayer, we lack power. If we lack power, we lack prayer. See, prayer changes things because the all-powerful responds to prayer. And we can't ever back away from this. We, we can't fall into these uh, trendy little things that there's another way. There's got to be an easier way than just praying. We need that kind of praying. Passionate prayer, fervent prayer, really heartfelt prayer, meaningful prayer. The fervent prayer of a righteous man that avails much, fervent prayer. Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane and he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. That's, that's some intense praying. We need that kind of praying in our world today. We need more of the power of God. We need more of the move of God in this world. There's, there's a lot of baloney about how the church is going to get it done in this world. This is how. It's God's power. And the only way that that comes is through prayer. He is sovereign God and Lord of all creation. He has all the power. He can do anything that he wants. And yet he has chosen to work this way, that he waits for somebody to pray in faith. You know, religious people in America today, they, they say things like, why doesn't God do something? And let me just clarify to you here. When I talk about religious people, I'm not talking about churchgoers. I mean, that may be part of that, but that's not just who I'm talking about. Because America is so religious, the vast majority of, of Americans believe in God. And they're real religious. Although part of their religion is to say, well, I'm not religious, I'm just spiritual. That's the trend. That's cool. That's, that's happening in religious culture right now. Oh, we're not religious. We're just spiritual. But they're very religious. They got their own little tenets, their own little beliefs, and it may be a collection of this and that and stuff they just made up on their own. But one of those that's real common is, why does it God do something? There's a simple answer to that. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. Jesus said, Jesus, our Jesus, our Savior, he said, ask and you will receive. That's what he said. He said, for everyone who asks, receives. Now, I know that that stirs up some questions and some problems with some people's theology, but here's the point, is that we need to be praying a whole lot more than what we do. Our sovereign God, the Almighty, the one that has all power, he's the one. He makes the rules. 
And here's how he says it works. Pray. Jesus taught us to pray this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now I want to ask you, how's the kingdom going to come? The power comes through prayer. You see, this is how it happened. How did Jesus say, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray it in. That's where the power is. There are some deceived, I'm, I'm saying this really nice. There are some deceived Christians in our world today that think they're going to buy weapons and that they're going to take it by force. And, and, and they base that, they pervert and twist the scripture and say, well, the Bible says the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. So bless God, we're going to take it by force. That is not the way that Jesus said it would happen. That is nothing but the work of men. In fact, Satan is behind that. It is a distraction from the power of God. We're not going to do it with the muscle, the might, the firepower of man. It's the power of God. That's what changes hearts and transforms lives. Nothing else. You can't point a gun at somebody and change their life. Jesus has to change the heart. And the only way that happens is that we pray. I have no power against the powers of darkness without the power of God. John 18, 36, Jesus says, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. See, it's not where the earthly things that we bring the kingdom into this world. It is exactly what Jesus said. We pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how we see the kingdom come. We want to see more of the reign and rule of God. We want to see nations change. We want to see revival. How's that happen? Every, every major revival that has ever happened in history started with prayer. Every single one. Somebody. Some group of people. We're praying. I believe the Lord's power comes when we pray. The reason people don't pray more, you know, R.A. Torrey said, if you're too busy to pray, you're too busy to have power. But people often say they're too busy, but you know what I say about that. That's baloney. The real reason people don't pray is they don't believe. Because it don't matter how busy you are, if you really believe that God would change your situation or change some, somebody or change something in our world, you make time to pray no matter how busy you are. The reason, the reason that people don't pray is they think it won't matter. And I'm telling you, we need to know that God's power comes through prayer. We need to, we need to get back to the place where we really believe that prayer works. It's not just some ritual. It's the most powerful thing that you will ever do in your life because 
God's power comes through prayer. Without prayer, we don't have God's power. And without God's power, we just got vain religion. If we believe that prayer will bring his power into our lives, I'm telling you, we will always find time to pray. Pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. You know, we got a great example of that today in cell phones and texting. Did you know a lot of people text five, 6,000 texts per month or even more? That's like 200-something a day, 200 a day during their waking hours. And, you know, some of that time, surely they're doing something else, driving. I hope they're not texting too much while they're driving. I'm just saying, but 200 times a day? I mean, waking hours? I, I don't want to do the math right now, but what is that? You know, 30 an hour or something? Or, or tw- Here's the point. What if you were talking to God like 15, 20 times a day? What if, what if you were taking the time 200 times an hour? See, I got messed up on my math there. What if you were talking to God 200 times a day? There it is. I mean, 6,000 texts a month, that's 200 a day. What if you're talking to God 200 times a day? That's praying without ceasing. See, whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, you're not just going through life, doing the best you can. No, you're praying and talking to God about it. And you got those times where you get alone with God and you really pray. And you seek him and you pray fervently, but pray without ceasing. The Bible says to do this, right? Pray without ceasing. It's an old story, but one of the greatest comedy acts in history, before my days anyway, was the husband and wife team of George Burns and Gracie Allen. In real life, they say that Gracie Allen was a bright, wise businesswoman, but she always played the part of a naive, off-the-wall personality, sweetly simple in her approach to life. In one of the radio programs, Gracie became really upset because her new electric clock wasn't keeping time right, and every day it just seemed like it would lose time, and so she called a repairman, and the repairman comes over, and he sees immediately what's wrong with the clock. He says, well, it's unplugged. You got to plug the clock in. She says, well, I know it's unplugged. She said, I don't want to waste electricity, so I'll only plug it in when I want to know what time it is. (laughs) Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. That is exactly the way people work their prayer life and the power of God. Going along, being all carnal, just doing the best I can. I ain't got time to pray. No, you don't believe it makes a difference. But when their back's against the wall, they get in trouble now. Whoa, we got some problems here. I'm going to plug this in and say a prayer real quick. God, I'm throwing up a prayer like that preacher said. Help me in my time of need. Amen. It don't work that way. We're supposed to be praying without ceasing. We're supposed to be a praying people. We got a relationship with God. It's not our, you know... We want the drive-through prayer, you know, like we're at Mac, McDonald's or something. Yeah, I'll take this and this, okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm out of here. No. We need to pray and seek God, have a real relationship with him. 
Y'all don't get quiet. Somebody will think I'm talking about you. Right? Our prayers shouldn't just be crisis prayers. You see, we need to be praying all the time, praying without ceasing. I know that the enemy of our soul doesn't want us to pray because he cannot stand up to God's power. The sovereign God of all creation chooses to move when somebody prays. Say, pray it in faith, that brings the power of God into our situation, into our family, our home, into the workplace, into the school, into the ministry, into the church, amen, into our nation, into our world. That's what we need all around us every day, all day. There's opportunities for us to pray and bring the power of God into our world. Listen, in this society we're in right now, the world has all kinds of answers. Money, politics, more of this, less of that. None of that works. Let me tell you what really works. God's power that comes through prayer. That's what changes things. And here's the big problem with all of that. It's not that this is bad or that's bad. That's not the point. It is distracting the church from the one thing that really works. James 5.16, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It avails much. It's very powerful. Power comes through prayer. The Amplified Bible says, the earnest, heartfelt prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Tremendous power is available when a righteous man, righteous woman prays. Now, we are righteous by faith. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, or yeah, to be sin for us, to be sin, so that we might be made or become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are righteous in Christ Jesus. And so when we pray, we need to believe that God will answer our prayers, not because we're perfect, not because we're so good and so, so holy or righteous on our own, but because we are righteous because of what Jesus did. And the, the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. Tremendous power is available to that man who prays. Now, I just, you know... I want to talk about that story for just a minute, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm going to come back to it. The story about Elijah praying, such a powerful story. We'll come back to it. Jesus is always our example. Isn't it amazing that the Word made flesh, God incarnate, the Son of God, the Righteous One, 
He had so much power flow through him, such great miracles, all kinds of stuff just happened all the time through his ministry. And yet, he prayed. He prayed a lot. He's an example to us in prayer. Before he even began his ministry, he spent 40 days in fasting and prayer in the wilderness. 40 days. I want to tell you something. More people spent that kind of time in prayer, we'd see a lot more power in ministry, wouldn't we? Today, people are always, now, I do this for a living, all right? I mean, I've been a pastor, a minister of some type, basically for about 40 years. I mean, it's pretty much all I've done as a vocation. And I can tell you, that this is absolutely true and has become more and more true over the last 40 years, that today people are always talking about new methods, better methods. And they're always saying, oh, we're not changing the, me- the message, we're just changing the methods. And to me... That line is just a distraction. By the way, a lot of time they are changing the message. The message has changed in the last 40 years. You go back and listen to some sermons from 40 years ago, and a lot of, a lot of it has changed. I'm not saying all of it, but a lot of it has changed in what is preached. It's like the Bible's changed. It hadn't changed. But here's the point I really want to get at. It will always, you know what, the key is, is we've got to have these better methods. We've got to have new methods. I mean, you know, the methods of yesterday, they just don't work. This is a new generation. We've got to be relevant. We've got to have better methods. Here's the problem with that. There's only one method that actually works, and that is prayer. Everything else is just trimmings. Listen, should we, should we get a big screen? Okay, that's fine. But here's what gets it done is prayer. Nobody's getting saved, not really saved, because we got a big new screen. That doesn't have anything to do with it. It is a spiritual thing, a supernatural thing, an eternal thing. And that only happens through prayer, not through the methods of men. We can dress it up, you spend a lot of money on it, and call it whatever you want, get all excited about it. But here's what we ought to be excited about is prayer. And so we say, okay, I'm going to pray. And we pray, and we pray. And after a few minutes, we think, well, nothing happened. We need to keep praying. We sing, we sing, you know, I need you more than the air I breathe. That's the way it ought to be. You 
quit praying when you quit breathing. Luke 5, 15 and 16. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Wow. Often withdrew. I mean... There was always another crowd. There are always more people that needed him. But he withdrew. And I want to tell you whatever responsibilities that you have, they were not greater than his. And he withdrew from the crowds to pray. So when we realize that power comes through prayer, no matter what our responsibilities, we'll pray because we will be more effective at whatever God has given us to do in this life, if we pray, if we have his help. But we got to look to him and trust him. We all go through battles and struggles of all kinds. All the power that we need for the battle can be found through prayer. Jesus prayed when he fought the battle of the ages in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he told the disciples to pray too, Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's through prayer that we overcome our weakness. That we overcome temptation. That's where the power to overcome comes. It's through prayer. You know, it's in prayer that we confess to him our weaknesses, listen, our inadequacies, listen, our need of him. Do we think that he won't answer, that he won't help us, or that we don't need his help? I got this. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Even in the areas where we think that we're good, that we think that we're strong, we need to pray and ask for God's help. Because pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And when we think that we got this without God... We are headed for trouble. See, we need to be humble enough to know that we need to always be praying. Every problem, every struggle, we look to the Lord. But even in the times we feel like we got it together, we still look to the Lord in prayer. I remember years ago, the Lord just gave me this one day. You know, it was one of those things for me, but maybe it'll help somebody else too. But a day without prayer is a very arrogant act. We can't possibly live up to our full potential, do what God wants us to do without prayer. He gives us the power to overcome. Listen, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. I'm not going to get into what the thorn in the flesh was and all of that. I just want you to hear these two verses. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. 
Therefore, most gladly, I'll rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, it's in our weaknesses that his power is clearly seen. And he gives us power in those times and others see that it's God. You see, why doesn't God just help me without me having to ask? I want to tell you right now, he does a whole lot. He helps us all the time without us even knowing, without us even asking. I know that. And here's the problem, though. If that's the way it was all the time, you know, he helps us more than we know. And here's, here's the issue. We think we were just good. We think, hey, it just worked out for me. We think that God didn't help us except when we asked. He, well, he's helping you. But here's the thing. If he always did that, we wouldn't even look to him and turn to him and realize it's him. We need this. We need to go to God. It's when we know that we're weak and we trust him and we look to him in faith and his power comes. And not only do we know, but the world sees that it's God's power. And all how this world needs to see God's power at work in imperfect people. This, is why, this sounds crazy, but you know, Paul says this stuff about, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And here's the thing. We just need to realize we always need his help. Every problem, every struggle, every weakness, we want to see God's power in our life. He gives us the power because we all have weaknesses. We all get tired. We all get weary. His power comes through prayer. Isaiah 40, 29 through 31, he gives power to the weak. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord. Now, I don't, you know, I, I'm not saying that wait means the same things as, as prayer here. But I'm saying that when you're waiting on the Lord, you're putting your trust in God. You're looking to God. You're counting on him, not the things of this world. When you wait on the Lord, I'm telling you. He says, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It's through prayer that we have power to live a victorious life. Prayer is what brings power to minister to others. Jesus said, Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Acts 1.14, six verses later, he says, it says, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. And then the Holy Spirit came and they received power. And I'm telling you, power comes through prayer. You know, until that power was poured out, they were still hiding out. 
But when the power was poured out, man, they were ready to go. It was a, it was a whole different ball game because the power of God was on them. That's what we need. He gives us power to minister to others, but it comes through prayer. In John 15, 5 through 8, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Without me you can do nothing. Now, some people want to relegate this down when it says, if you abide in me, they want to say, well, that just means you know that you're a believer. I want to tell you there's something more here that Jesus is talking about. There's a reason that he's telling the disciples, if you abide in me. He's talking about having that closeness, that fellowship with him. I want to tell you that only comes when you have, you have a prayer life, where you're talking to God, you open that door. He stands at the door and knocks and you open that door and he comes in and he communes with you and you with him. That's abiding with him. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Remember, who's he telling this to? The disciples. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. Wow, now there's some power in prayer. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. I just want you to understand this, that you see, when we live a life of prayer, there's great power that's available to us. He has all the power, and it comes in our life through prayer. It's through prayer that we have power over the forces of darkness. Luke 22, 31 and 32, Jesus says, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. See, that's how we fight for our loved ones. We pray for them. See, he prayed for Peter that his faith would not fail. And when he returned, see, Jesus knew he was going to deny him. He knew everything that was going to happen. He says, when you return, strengthen your brethren. I just want to tell you, you can make the difference in somebody else making it by praying. There's great power through prayer. Jesus used that power when he prayed for Peter. We need to use that power. See, it's through prayer, the power of prayer, that we turn back the tide of darkness Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against all the wiles of the devil. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. See, people are so confused about that. It didn't have anything to do with flesh and blood. That's, they're just being used to the devil. But listen, our battle is against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, he goes all down through the armor. I'm not going to teach on that tonight. I just want to get to the last two verses because here's what it's all about. Here's what putting on all the armor is about. You get to verse 18 and it says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. I'm saying to you tonight, church, that this is the real key to us pushing back the darkness, 
This is the real key to seeing lives change. This is the real key to effective ministry. I know there's a lot of people pray for me. Many of you have told me you pray for me. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. That is the best gift you could ever give to me, is to pray for me. And I'm just trying to elicit some more of you. I need God's help. I don't want to get up here and give a talk. I want to say words that are spirit and life that impact people's hearts where lives are changed. And I know that only happens through prayer. So you pray for me. Listen, if the Apostle Paul needed it, how much do you think I need it? Prayer brings the power to change our world, change your workplace, change your family, change yourself. Make it part of your daily routine. However you do it, do it. Even when there's no problems in your life, just in the mundane of life, I tell you there's needs out there. You need to reach out by faith and believe God to do things in our world. Now, I told you I was going to come back to this. I want to go back to James. James chapter 5, and I'm going to look at verses 17 and 18. And here's what it says about, him, about Elijah. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Why did this happen? In fact, God told him to do this. But why did this happen? He wasn't just playing with the weather. No, this nation had turned away from God. And they needed revival desperately. And so Elijah prays this prayer, the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man. He prays that it won't rain. And then later he prays that it will rain. you got to understand, in this agrarian society... It was devastating. What these people went through for three and a half years, it was absolutely horrible. Because Elijah was praying one of those whatever-it-takes-God prayers. Whatever it takes, God, to bring our nation back to you. I want you to understand something, that that kind of praying will change our nation. Complaining won't. Ranting won't, posting on Facebook. <laughs> Sorry. What a joke. Pray. Prayer works. None of that stuff has any kind of eternal or spiritual effect. Prayer is how you do war against the powers of darkness. How is it that we've gotten so deceived that we're chasing after all this other stuff where the power comes through prayer? Elijah prayed and the power came. Listen, it's right after that that he challenged. It, well, he gave it, the, the rain came, amen. And then he challenged the prophets of Baal. The prophets of Baal were slain. I'm just telling you, God brought revival to that nation because this man was praying. Leonard Ravenhill writes in his great book, Why Revival Tarries. That's a great book, by the way. 
why revival tarries. He says, no man is greater than his prayer life. That's just ugly. And I want to tell you, it don't matter how many degrees you've got, how much you can bench press. That's nice. But no man is greater than his prayer life because that's where the real power is. He goes on, he says, if we're not praying, we're playing. The people who are not praying are straying. We have many organizers, but few agonizers. Man players and payers, few prayers. Man singers, few clingers. Lots of pastors, few wrestlers. Many fears, few tears. Much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. Many writers, but few fighters. Failing here, we fail everywhere. Prayer brings the power. One missionary witnessed an example of God's power in Thailand. He was working with some villagers in northern Thailand. And that area was having the worst grasshopper plague that anybody could remember. The leader of the village told him, he said, you go back home and you gather your Christians and pray for three weeks that the grasshoppers will leave the Christians' fields. When you return in three weeks, if the grasshoppers have left the Christians' fields but are still in the non-Christians' fields, I will help you lead this whole village to worship your Jesus. So he goes home with sincerity and earnestness, and the Christians prayed. Three weeks later, he goes back to the village and was devastated by what he saw because... It appeared there were more grasshoppers in the Christians' fields than there were in the unbelievers' fields. But as they got to examine in a little closer, looked a little closer, they saw that in the Christians' fields, the grasshoppers were eating the weeds. But in the unbelievers' fields, they were eating the rice plants. In the Christians' fields, the droppings from the grasshoppers were so great that they fertilized the rice and they had one of the greatest crops they ever had. You know what? A lot of the time, God doesn't do things the way we tell him to. But here's the thing, is that when we pray, the power comes through prayer. God can move and work in our lives and in our world. You know what? Let's don't even do this. Let's don't even do this thing where we, we try it and throw up a prayer. No, let's make up our mind. Let's believe the word of God and make up our mind that we're going to be a praying people and we're going to pray and we're going to pray and we're going to pray and even when it looks like nothing's happening, we're going to keep praying, we're going to keep believing because we believe God's word. All through the Bible, you see, this is how God moved and how God worked when people prayed. Oh, but especially in the New Testament, in the teachings of Jesus, so powerful. Whatever things you desire when you pray and believe that you receive, you shall have them. Those are the words of my Savior. I just want to encourage you tonight, church, that the power comes through prayer. Stand with me. We're going to pray right now.